Welcome back to Wake Up Winden, where we are still covering the Beforeners. And today we're going to be talking about Season 1, Episode 3. You know, no real name for the Beforeners episodes. I was noticing that. They're just all Episode 1, Episode 2, Episode 3. wonder what the name would be for some of these. I think if I was going to name this one, this episode, I think Name Unknown would be pretty good. Of course, whatever it would be in uh, Norwegian. But I like Name, name Unknown. kind of sounds mysterious. It makes me... I wonder what that episode would be about, and I really liked where they went with the name unknown thread in this one. So, so it was just something I was thinking about right before the recording. It's like, yeah, they don't name these episodes. Maybe they do in uh, in Norway, and we're just not getting them stateside. I'm not sure. But anyway, welcome in. I uh, hope, uh, hope you guys are doing okay. I'm glad you found my podcast. If you are listening for Beforeners coverage, welcome. Glad to have you. We used to be a dark podcast, uh, the show on Netflix, but, you know, dark ended, so I've been looking for new ventures, and uh, started covering the Beforeners. Just, uh, I thought it was a good show that was worthwhile that uh, should have a podcast about it, so I wanted to do that. So here we go. We're going to talk about episode three, I think a really good one. I'm really enjoying the world that they created, and I'm ready to get into it. So this week, again, I've broke it down into five or six plot lines and uh no i didn't include uh, the running part about the coffee maker being broken even though um i definitely made the joke when lars got shot and also the coffee maker i was like not the coffee maker and then of course later on in that episode they make the very same joke so i think i think we're all on the same page with that right uh coffee maker more valuable than lars no 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 i love lars i'm kidding i'm kidding Lars, what an episode for Lars, by the way. He, uh, <laughs> him walking out of the therapy session was wonderful. I can't wait to get into that. But that's not really the main plot line. Um, I think if I was going to have an A plot for this episode, I might veer away from our main characters of Alfilger and Lars. And let's talk about Tor Hund, who finally makes an appearance. He had been foreshadowed in the first two episodes. I really liked hearing some of the legend about Tor Hund before. And I think I mentioned in episode two, I did a little research, and he was uh, one of the people who killed Olaf the Stout, which comes up later in this episode. And he was uh, one of uh, somebody who would be a believer in the pagan um, ideologies of Norway at the time. And he was against Christianity coming in. And of course, we see that later on when he says death to the white Christ as he's attacking his uh his uh his the bull the bullies that's such a weak word for what they are his attackers his assaulters uh uh the guys the olaf the statsman at the end of the episode anyway let's start with torhund so uh we get torhund on a delivery you know he's we're introduced to him and he's a a, a foodie delivery guy kind of like a uber eats but he rides a bike and so he's drive he's riding a bike he gets in a crash and disgustingly he's like drying off the salmon i think it was salmon in a public restroom wiping it down and uh this guy comes in and you think that maybe he's gonna scold him like what are you doing are you gonna actually deliver that to somebody but no he recognizes torhund from a thousand years ago and he kind of bows down to torhund and tor or tommy as he's going by tommy is just like no 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 I don't, I don't remember that. That's not my life. That's another life. Um, I lost my language when I moved here. So he's denying it. He kind of is like, what the hell is this? Um, I guess now I, now is a good time. I need to talk about Tor's motivation. I guess the question for the listeners and for me, 
was Tor playing? Like, did he did he purposely forget? Like, not that he purposely forget, but is he lying? I guess uh, about forgetting. Uh, you see, like throughout the episode, when Alfielger and Erd get word that he's in the that he's in the present, that he he denies them too. So he denied the first guy. I think his name was like Skalig. It was it was a tough tough Norwegian name for me to pronounce, but he was the one. It, it comes up very quickly, but he kind of is the one that tells Elf. Uh, he tells Erd about it, and Erd tells Alfielger. But this guy also maybe told other people he had loose lips, and that's how Olaf the Stoutsman knew about him. But anyway. Tommy or Tour, he's denying everybody. He is a family man now. He goes on diaper runs. Um, he even saves the stamps, which is a really sad scene when he had collected all the stamps. And this great, powerful warrior, Torhund, he cannot, he, he can't do anything. The, the stamps, the, the, the cashier says no, and there's nothing he can do about it in this time. And this kind of makes me think that he's probably actually truthfully forgetting. A couple instances in the episode make me think that. But I do think he's probably, he, d he did forget, which kind of leads me to believe that maybe it's a common side effect of time travel, is the uh, the loss of your memories. The loss of the language is tough for me, because is he like a blank canvas when he comes out, or does he come out speaking, you know, modern day Norwegian? That doesn't really track for me. So I don't know how you forget your language and still have any semblance of a language, but I don't know. I don't know. That's just something I was pondering about. But anyway, we get that scene where Erd and Alfilger both show up at um, our guy's house, at Tour's house, and his girlfriend or his wife, she's kind of wondering, uh, you know, who are these Who are these women who are knocking at Tour's door? Kind of makes me think, I think she's kind of a modern woman, is what I get. I think she's from the present. And they do have a two-year-old two daughter, I believe. And I wonder if she really is sick, because Tour, when he's groveling towards the end of the episode, he's talking about how he has a sick daughter. I wonder if she is actually sick. I kind of believe him, but, uh, but it's uh, not something that's really focused on, or maybe I just missed it in the show. But I wonder if he's uh, also truthful about that. And no matter what, he's a family. he seems to be a family man. He's, like, turned a corner. But by the end of the episode, when the Olaf the Stoutsman, uh, they... Uh, the really uh, mean and uh, deceitful uh, ruse here... And uh, I don't, it, it's not, it's kind of transparent, right? I mean, he gets the delivery to a underground parking lot, which, I mean, I get, I get you maybe delivered to some weird places, but this felt like a trap, like, right? Like Admiral Akbar, Akbar. it's a trap. I felt like it was a trap the whole time. Um, and it, it's kind of, it's scary and sad when he's like, hello, hello. And you know, it's going to be nothing good. And they start, you know, beating him up at first. He's got a bloody nose. He's lying on the ground. He's crying. He's like, I have a sick daughter. Come on, you can't be doing this to me. Uh, please let me live. I don't remember that stuff. And they say that, you know, flesh flesh doesn't care about memories. There's something to that effect where, you know, he still did it. Anyway, he's whimpering so much that the two guys just decide, all right, we can't, they, we can't stomach this. Let's just finish him in the car. Now, uh, far be it for me to uh, critique the henchmen or the critique the the planners of this uh, this this ruse, but... You know, wouldn't one of them, like, maybe stay with him and just kind of, you know, make make sure he's guarding, uh, maybe guard, you know, don't turn your back, don't both of you turn your back towards this great legend, Tor Hund, if he is who he says he is. Anyway, they do turn their back on him, they try to get in the car, and Tor Hund is having none of it. 
he definitely gets one of the guys because one of the guys is on the on the hood as uh, as the other one is driving out, which was really comical because you kind of see them driving past because Alfilger and Erd, they're on the case. They're trying to find him, but they end up being too late and they hear like the screams and it's really scary. You're like, what is going on down there? Torhund obviously won. And the one of them is driving away while the other's on the hood. They're terrified. And I really like when he comes out and he's like, he sees Alfilger and Erd, Her- and he's like, tell me more about this Torhund guy. And it's kind of just like, you could imagine somebody off screen with a guitar, here we go, right? So I love that part. I love that we have like this build up where, all right, here comes Torhund and he's going to start remembering shit. So, uh, you know, now <laughs> what is a modern day Torhund uh, look like if he's uh, going to abandon abandon this life as a foodie? I don't know. Maybe he can get mixed up with some of these drug dealers that are going on in this, uh, or not even drug dealers. It's even worse than that. Excuse me. The, uh, the human trafficking ring that's going on. And uh, in addition to that, we learn a lot more about um, kind of... Uh, do we learn a lot more? I don't know. We get a lot more background on what's going on, and maybe we lose one boss but gain another. Um, let's transition into that. So I think the B plot, and you could it's kind of you could call it the A plot too. It's you know the continuing search. It's kind of the A plot of the show, but it, I thought it took a backseat with Torhan getting the opening of the episode this time, but. They're still searching for Navin, and they're searching for the the mystery. They're looking for more answers about the woman who apparently time traveled in the last episode because she was there four hours before she died or before she was supposed to appear. And we learn a lot more in this episode because it turns out though, oh yeah, actually there probably is time travel back and forth. Number one, we see Holger. He was the Bohemian from the last episode. He's trying to escape in some scuba gear. It makes sense, right? Because the flashes happen in the water uh he takes like a hit of this like long crack pipe steamer (laughs) right before he's like i'm not doing this sober which makes you think is it really painful i don't know it it doesn't seem pleasant at the very least but anyway he's trying to escape he's going back to his time and it does not work at all it does not work at all he uh they don't really show how he gets caught but they show him sinking they show lars and elfio look at each other and then the next scene they're back at the back at the station so it did not go well for him so how do the cops know about that in the first place? Well, um, they knew that they needed to start looking for members of the cross-temporal community because of what had happened in the last episode. So they end up going to this workshop, and um, it's kind of cool. I like the world building that we see here where there's a guy talking about how he knew like PlayStation wasn't for him, but it didn't make sense that uh, until he went to the Stone Age workshop where he found his people and he found out who he belonged with. And... So we see that there is the, the community of people who think that they belong in another time, maybe would prefer to live in another time. And do, do, the, do the people who are running this, do they use like the community kind of as a front? Maybe that they, they can get people to time travel. Maybe it is possible, but they want to keep this secret. Uh, they want to keep this secret. Now, why they want to get into human trafficking, I don't know. Is it simply for the money? That seems incredibly dark, and there's much better ways to get money, I would think, or much, well, obviously much more moral and, um, you know, not like the evilest thing in the world to do, so there is that. But, yeah, I don't know. I don't know why they're in, why, why they're in the ring in the first place, but um, we end up meeting a couple new characters, and we don't get their names, and I was going to look them up before the episode, but 
figure if we're not getting their names in the episode proper, then maybe I shouldn't know them by now either. So they're kind of like the, uh, they're kind of scary antagonists at this point. They're dressed kind of like, forgive me, but like uh, American pilgrims, I think is what I would, I would, I would say they have like those little hats, very old fashioned uh, clothing from the 1800s. Of course, maybe they're 1800s people. Maybe they're not because as we see the, um, the, 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 the assassin, I'm going to call her the pilgrim assassin. She's the one who confronts Navin later in the episode, but she's on the computer, on the police computer. And I think this is how that, this is how they know that maybe that the police are on to Navin because you see at the end of the episode, Navin gets taken out by a drone, which was really surprising to me. I thought he was going to be like the big bad of the show, but he gets taken out like very, very quickly. Only two episode arc for Navin and uh, maybe we're setting up an even bigger bad with the Pilgrim Assassin. And I don't think Navin knew what he was getting into with her because she really beat his ass when he tried to when he tried to take advantage of his size. And he tried to he tried to you know, he was very insulting to her. She came saying that we have mutual interests and he just gets really upset and he like starts grabbing her and walking away. Uh, he's very misogynistic, he has the Stone Age views, and she really flips it on him and she takes the upper hand. And while they're fighting, she's like, yo, this is complicated. Uh, the, uh, this is not the simple times that you were in. Just one conversation, that's all I'm asking. They get interrupted because Navin's wife uh, <laughs> needs Navin to look at carpet samples, which is awesome. And they, uh, and uh, so that scene kind of ends. She runs away. She doesn't want to be discovered. Anyway, that's who, I'm, that's who I'm talking about. She's the one that's on the computer. She's the one who is kind of like the... Uh, uh, you know, like the soldier in the army, whereas the older woman with the pilgrim uniform, she's kind of the boss, I, I think. So she, uh, the, this, I think they're probably both from the present. I mean, she was very adept at using the computer. And obviously, I think that's who sent the drone. That's my guess. I'm not sure. But I think they're the ones who sent the drone. Because I think that's, they have the most to lose from Novin, from Novin blurting to the cops. And the cops obviously are closing in on them. I like how the cops are closing in on them. I like how we learn that Navin means name, and his full name is name unknown, because when they don't know their name, when they travel to the future, when they um, get to, when they when they transcend time, they just have listed name unknown, and some people sometimes it just sticks. And some good detective work because there are seven people with name unknown in the Oslo area, and six a lot of them are on welfare and probably wouldn't be up to this uh up to this level of scheme there is one wealthy prehistoric prehistoric uh what do they call it they one wealthy prehistoric citizen and that of course is our guy Navin, who we have seen in the first uh in the last episode so they end up they're on the trail we know they're close to finding him and that's what leads them to uh that's they got his name because of holger after they apprehended him uh, Holger, he's, you know, he's on the drugs. He just done some, maybe he was like, uh, maybe he was smoking the, the Temproxate, uh, equivalent. Maybe we'll see. But anyway, he's out of it and he's like, I can't, I, I would never tell you about Navin, which is really funny. Now that I know that name is Navin, it's like, I would never tell you about name. <laughs> and they're like, what is this nonsense? What is this gibberish? But that's enough of a clue. And it leads them to, you know, keep going on the case. I also liked, I, I forgot to mention this, but they found out the confirmation that the victim from the first episode was from their time because they found a Lego that had been lodged in her organs for like 20 years. That can't be good, right? I mean, that, that 
that that can't be good. That this this woman was unhealthy. No, I'm just it's it's still terrible. It's still terrible. Um, okay, so anyway, let's continue. Let me get back to the cop storyline in a bit, but let's uh, let's divulge into a family therapy session, which I thought was a really fun scene. First of all, we get we get Lars, and I haven't even brought up that he got shot in this episode. Apologies to that. That's uh, that that did happen. Al Fielger accidentally shot him, and that kind of sets up what's happening in this next part, where Lars is going to therapy with Marie, his ex-wife, and his ex-wife's new. Uh, husband Gregors and their daughter Ingrid and Ingrid ends up driving Lars and Lars he like waits for Ingrid he's like now you go in first you go in first like he's a teenager that needs to smoke weed like while his parents go in somewhere first but anyway <laughs> she goes in first he does the eye drops but like this does not phase Lars at all because let me tell you he walks out of this therapy session the winner he walks in he's got the limp he's got the boot they're like, what happened, Lars? He's like, oh, this, nothing. I, I got shot. And the therapist is already impressed, and everybody else is like, oh, come on, he's a cop, you know, this, this stuff happens. But nonetheless, <laughs> the therapist is very impressed, and Marie starts off the session by, you know, talking about Lars rather than to Lars. So the therapist, you know, reminds her, hey, you're supposed to talk to the, you're supposed to talk to the subject. You're not supposed to talk about them. So she, <laughs> she tries that again, and... It's not going well for Marie. Uh, Lars is getting a hero edit. He thinks that Ingrid deserves a normal graduation experience despite being from an unusual family. Um, Marie ends up making a comment that uh, I think you're getting a skewed perspective of Lars. And Marie gets scolded really bad. The therapist is like, you know what? I'll, I think my professional opinion is what matters the most. And I trust it. Thank you very much. And Lars is just like, ooh. <laughs> and after that Gregor's comes around I, the Gregor's turnaround is happening people I did not like Gregor's at all in the first two episodes but this time I'm turning a new leaf with Gregor's Gregor's is convinced by the therapy we don't see the whole therapy session we see Ingrid talking about how it's part of the culture and she feels like that she wants to be part of it and then it kind of cuts to the ending they're, uh, while they're walking out without the therapist and it's great because Marie is totally like, why should we just trust one person's opinion? And she's very, you know, not happy with the outcome. But Gregor's is like, you know what? She's really highly regarded in her field. And who would have thought that modern therapy could change my archaic viewpoints? And I was like, go King, we stand. And we have Gregor's, Gregor's turning a page. You know, you could only imagine like Gregor's just like, uh, I mean, you can only imagine how difficult it is that like, you're stuck in, like, one period's uh, antiquity or you're stuck in one period's ideologies, and then you fast-forward 150 years, and everything's way different. Everything's sped up. Everything has progressed. And uh, kudos to kudos to Gregors for, you know, being, being part of, uh, you know, doing some self-reflecting, which is what therapy's all about, right? So he's, he's reflecting. He knows that after listening to what happened, he's like, you know what? My views were old-fashioned, and this isn't okay. So Marie's still kind of on the fence, but Lars and uh, Ingrid are quite happy. They're walking away. They're walking away really thrilled. Okay, so going on from here, a couple things to jump off with. I mentioned Ingrid and the Roost bus. We'll take care of this really quick because her friend totally takes the eye drops from Lars. She takes only one thing of it, but I believe it's really strong. 
Uh, Lars seems to be able to function just fine on it, but maybe he's got uh, some sort of tolerance to it. He seems to be doing all right. He won the therapy session just right after doing it, so he's an experienced user. Now, what is going to be happening for his uh, daughter and her friends? Is this going to play a big part in the series? Are we going to see the Roost bus? I'm curious about that. And what's going to happen? Like, are they going to find the drugs and Lars will be implicated? I don't know. Um, we'll have to see what happens with that. But I did want to note that. Because we see that right before Elfielger and Ar Lars come home early. Why? Well, Elfielger shot him. Not really. But she put the gun down and the tech went off. And it sucks because Wenke was really giving her... And Wenke is the... Um, the mean woman who works at the police station. Uh, and she is, you know, she's like talking about, <laughs> Elfielger's talking about like, come on, I know how to use a revolver. And she's like, that's a pistol. And she's just like, come on, we can't be giving these Vikings, uh, these Vikings, uh, the, <laughs> a gun. And first of all, like, let's not use the V word. Okay. Okay. Wenke. And second of all, you know, she's trained, she's gone through all the trainings and it was not her fault. Tech came back at the end of the episode. They exonerated her completely. It was not it was not Elfielger's fault. I repeat, it was not her fault. And uh, of course, yeah, I'll make the joke again. Biggest tragedy that the coffee maker was, uh, of course, destroyed. Yes, yes, laugh, laugh, laugh. Um, but no, Lars does get shot and leads to some more character stuff between Elfielger and Lars. And wondering what the listeners think too about kind of the chemistry or the, is there a budding romance between them? And we see Elfielger come over to take care of them. She gets to meet his daughter and his daughter, her daughter's friends. Uh, she says she's jealous of the lifestyle because she gets to, they get to shag and drink and smoke and do whatever they want. And Lars is like, "Hey, come on, don't talk to teenagers like that." And uh, Elfielger's like, "What? They don't. They know. They know what's up." But anyway, while they're making dinner, and uh, or maybe it's lunch. I'm not sure because it's kind of early in the day, but. Elfielger is like, hey, you know, is it, would it be okay? Like, would the police, would the police station be upset with me if I was having relations with other cops? And Lars is like, whoa, 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 what's going on here? Are you making a move on me? She's like, relax, I'm not trying to get in your pants. But she has been sex, sexting with that harbor cop who was on the case in the first episode. We talked about him in the first two episodes. Um, I still don't know what was going on in that first episode, but... Uh, anyway, he was hitting on her. He asked her out for mead. They have been sending back and forth some sexts, you know, as you do. And <laughs> Lars does end up telling her. Uh, what Lars does end up telling Elfielger is that, hey, it's not frowned upon. It's okay. Uh, it, that I, which, you know, some companies, that they would frown upon that. So I was interested that that was his response. Maybe kind of cluing me in, does Lars kind of have a thing for her? And I'm only bringing this up because I don't want to because I know it's tropey, but... The show makes a point of it. The show talks about um, how the daughters, you know, the daughters are like, do you, do you like her? Do you have a thing for her? So, like, they're calling attention to it, so I want to call attention to it. I kind of don't think they are. I kind of think they're platonic. But, uh, you know, they leave the room open. They, I, I do like them together. <laughs> I feel so basic. But every time, like, it's like, oh, yeah, the man and the woman together. Oh, yeah, they'd be good together. Uh, but, you know, I do, I do kind of like them together. So there is that. But... Uh, you know, Elfielger, you know, she, she is, she's great for her directness and her bluntness. She doesn't, <laughs> she doesn't care. She tells it like it is, and she's telling Lars exactly what's up. Lars does kind of look a little thrown off by that, like, oh, why not me? <laughs> why aren't you sexting me? 
All right, but let's move on from that. Kind of a rough transition here, but we have uh, the last thing I wanted to talk about, and it's, you know, throughout the episode, Urd is a big part of it. And she, we found out that she has cancer. She's the shield maiden. She has cancer. And it's done in, like, kind of a real artful way. Like, she's going into the hospital. She sits down. And a man with, uh, you know, clearly going through chemotherapy comes up and sits next to her. Tells her, oh, you know, that was my workout for the day. And she was like, this chemo stuff, is it really bad? And he shows her, her a picture of his, like, driver's license from five weeks ago. Or showed her a picture of five weeks ago. And he looks completely different. You know, a lot heavier. He has a lot of hair. Now he's, like, almost emaciated. He's, he's of course, bald. And, you know, and it's tough for him to walk down the length of the hallway, of course. So it's absolutely brutal. It's so sad. Um, obviously, chemotherapy wouldn't be part of the, you know, the solution back in, uh, back in Urd's day. So it is just really, uh, and, and of course, like, you know, modern medicine can do miraculous and wonderful things. But, you know, this is something that she wouldn't have to confront in the past, right? And I don't know, you know, I don't know too much about cancer. I know that there was, you know, people died younger back in the day and there was uh, more things that would kill you earlier. And maybe cancer was one of those and we, they just didn't have the name for it. But she does make mention that, um, you know, or whatever they call it here, whatever, cancer, that's what they call it in this place. And it's, you know, it's really, it's, it's really sad that she, you know, tr transcends a thousand years in the future and she has to deal, uh, with, with cancer. And, uh, we see though, you know, the worry in it and, you know, as somebody who like is like afraid of the doctor, like I, I am, I don't, I feel, I felt for, felt for Erd in this episode. I really did. And, um, I really think it's cool that Elfielger, you know, her sister, her friend, her shield maiden, I like how that together they, she says that, you know, it's just like going to war. You can't go to war alone. Chemo is like going to war and she's going to go with her. And I think that's really sweet. That's really wholesome. And I just really liked that through line. It was a sad part. It doesn't take up too much of the episode and, you know, it's, it's depressing to think about, but you know, it's powerful too. Uh, what, what Elfielger is doing for, uh, is doing for her because she recognizes the, the hospital wristband. So anyway, there, there's, uh, there's that going on too. So while we're talking about Erd and Elfielger still, let me just talk a little bit about how they were really persistent with Torhund. You know, they track him in the, they track him through the, the diaper, the, the diaper mart, I was going to call it, but they trap him, like they track him through the convenience store. They end up giving him the diapers, which I thought was really nice. It was really sad when he couldn't afford them. And, you know, we see that he's a, a foodie delivery guy um, trying to make ends meet. And I guess just the question I would have for, for Tor, like, what were the circumstances of, of his, of his traveling in? And uh, I guess, I mean, you could say that about anybody, but why, um, why can't he remember, I guess? And like, I'll feel like her, I feel like she remembers, you know, and I feel like a lot of other people remember. Maybe those memories just start to fade. Maybe it messes up your brain so much. I'm not entirely sure, but yeah, it's just, uh, just weird. <laughs> you know what I mean? All right. So as I'm kind of wrapping this up here, that's kind of uh, the episode. That's like kind of the episode summary, what was going on in it. I did have some questions I wanted to kind of bring up as um, we're going forward throughout the second half of the season, of season one. And, of course, we have a big focus on the cross-temporal community in this episode. I'm wondering, like, how often and how many people are going back and forth? How many people are part of this community? Why is it so dire to hide the secret? Is it because if 
everybody had access to time travel, maybe nobody would, maybe they would destroy it, it's too powerful, you know, one organization should not have this power, <laughs> right, it's kind of like in Harry Potter, like, the Ministry of Magic shouldn't have access to these time turners, and that caused, like, all sorts of plot problems for J.K. Rowling, so I wonder if it's just, like, something like that, I mean, that's a very, that's a very weak comparison, I'm, I'm sorry for bringing that up, um, but let's see here, you know, they, they do go through Great Lakes to protect the secret, you know, they're killing uh, pretty high, high up there boss of the prehistoric, uh, uh, in Navin, and I wonder what the fallout from that will be, like, does Navin have henchmen, does Navin have people that are loyal to him, will they be upset, uh, what about the caveman's wife, this is, you know, devastating news for content, so I don't know what's gonna, I wonder if we'll see fallout from that, I wonder if we're done with the caveman's wife, or if we'll get more insight into that, I know we're not done with the pilgrim assassin, uh, she was uh, really terrifying, and I think that she seems like a formidable foe, and I think would she and the new and and her boss, I think they're going to be the new big bads. I mean, we're getting like the we're we're progressing at a normally abnormally fa fast rate throughout these bad guys. We had Suleiman and the other Cro-Magnon guy. They already are like in jail. Then we moved up to Holger. They caught him. He was trying to make that uh, sea escape. They caught that Bohemian guy. And then later on, you know, we think it's Navin, but he gets attacked by a drone. So maybe in the next episode, or, you know, is it danger for our our next two villains? Will we just keep going up the chain? I'm not sure. But it, and there was something, like, really, like, fascinating and striking about this caveman being taken down by, uh, by a drone, right? Like, this is the most modern thing you could think of, almost. So that was some Im imagery for sure. And then I'm wondering... Could Navin have, like, saved himself? What if he had agreed to the conversation? They never really have a follow-up after that, which maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's not the Pilgrim Assassin who killed him, but I, I do think that was the case. Could Navin have saved himself, perhaps, by just agreeing to talk with them instead of being so dismissive and so rude and awful to the Pilgrim Assassin? Would that have made a difference? I mean, it couldn't have hurt. Couldn't have, couldn't have, couldn't have gone much worse for him in the end. So, you know tough stuff for Navin. I was wondering, would Holger's plan have worked? Like, it seemed very silly. And something I really, I, I should have mentioned this earlier, but I loved when he was talking about, and I'm not going to get this completely right, but he was talking about, you know, I've danced with Beethoven, I've uh, clubbed with Justin Bieber, I've made music with Mozart, like, you know, all like uh, things that would be impossible for a normal, uh, for a normal human being. But, of course, he's been able to time travel and, you know, has some pretty high access to, like, some major, major celebrities of the time. I know that Mozart and Beethoven aren't right, but I know he mentioned Bieber, so I thought that was really funny. And just, like, a cool idea, you know, that these pe <laughs> these people are, like, celebrity hunters <laughs> in different time periods. Uh, yeah, I like, I like that theory. Um, so, uh, I talked about this a little bit, but we see side effects of time travel, like memory loss. Wonder what else could happen to you. If you go back and forth too much, is that a problem? I don't know. Maybe not as big of a problem as a Lego in your kidney, but, you know, it's probably something. And then, does Tor's girlfriend know who he is? <laughs> That's what I want. I, I'm thinking no. I think I probably answered my question. I think no. I think it honestly was, like, in the episode I wrote, probably true memory loss. And only because that's, like, what, uh, like, Tor, like, saved himself at the end and he wanted to know more about Tor Hunt. So I, re I really do think he genuinely forgot. But yeah, what's his girlfriend going to think? Is he going to stay with her? Or is he going to go with his shield maidens? Uh, 
Is there going to be some, you know, dynamics in that going, going on with that? We will have to see. I was wondering about the cleansing package they were talking about. Um, the cops, they had found out that Navin had asked about the victim, and he had called and asked about the cleansing package that she got, and that's when they remove everything, the hair color, dental, everything. I, it was it, that, that part, I kind of got a little lost, I got to be honest with you guys. I wasn't sure what they were referring to. And then it made it matters even more confusing because you think that, oh, now the cops are going to close in on Navin because they have a big clue. But Navin ends up dying like minutes late, like a minute later. So um, it's very, very much towards the end of the episode. If you want to check that part out, we get the new time. Uh, we get the new coffee machine. <laughs> I think Elfielger goes, well, it was worth it in the end. Um, you know, I, I love that the, the people from a thousand years ago are enjoying the wonders of coffee as well. Yeah, I think, I think that is the main part of the episode. And I want to just take, take a little time to just say thank you again to anybody who has found us. I do sometimes have guests. I'm not always by myself, but I wanted to get back into it by myself because I just like, I had been, I'd been out of it for, for a year. I hadn't been doing much of it. And listen, like I wanted to just kind of like get a few of these done. I had a little bit of time, so I'm just kind of trying to get a few in the can Wanted to talk about The Foreigners. Think it's a show that deserves some talk. Don't know a ton of people have watched it. So if you are watching the show or if, you have, if you're if you going through it for the first time or you've seen the whole thing, feel free to email me at wakeupwinden. If you want to talk about it, that would be awesome too. So yeah, I, I love this show. I'm wondering if there's others out there that like it. Anybody from Norway that could give me some cultural insight would be fantastic. I'm doing the best I can, but just in a just a guy living in Las Vegas right now, so it's going to be a little bit tricky for me on that end to know everything about it. But yeah, let me know if you're if you're enjoying the show, if you're watching, listening. Thank you so much. I got to give another. Uh, let me give another one more recommendation. Wanted to mention this in the first episode, and many of you probably have seen it if you're big TV fans. But if you have not seen Station Eleven, I could not recommend that show more. I absolutely loved it. I was even hesitant to watch it at first um i knew a lot of the critics had loved it and uh you know i listened to, I, I i don't normally listen i and no no offense if you do like i don't mean anything if you listen to andy greenwald or the guys from the ringer but they can be a little pretentious i find sometimes in their tv viewing and in their tv commentary i'm just i'm just an everyman everybody i'm just i'm just an, just i'm <laughs> just hard hat lunch pail that's me but Andy Greenwald was talking about how much he loved the show. It's the best show of the year. And I was kind of rolling my eyes. I'm like, yeah, right. Okay, whatever. But I ended up watching it. And it took me a little bit to get into it. But once I got to episode five, I was so hooked. I really love that show. And it is an emotional whirlwind. So um, if you make it to all the way through, uh, you know, it gets a little dusty. But it's really fun. An amazing show. It, I, I don't know if fun's the right word, but it is a beautiful show. There are funny moments, there are moments of, you know, joy, moments of sadness, but it's really cool. I implore everybody to check out Station Eleven. I would like to cover it someday. Maybe I can put my money where my mouth is and rival the great Andy Greenwald and see if I can do a, do a Station Eleven, uh, just like, for, 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 for the, <laughs> for the layman, <laughs> right? Um, anyway. Uh, thank you for listening to me. It can be sometimes difficult to talk for, you know, 30, 35 minutes straight, but I am enjoying talking about it. It's uh, fun to summarize it. This show, uh, back to The Foreigners, I think it's really underrated. I think a lot is going on in the show. A lot of surprising things, a lot of things that aren't done in other series. 
Uh, and uh, I wish more people knew about it. I wish it was on like the Game of Thrones level, but you know, then I'd get uh, the Greenwald take all the time. So there is that. All right, everybody, <laughs> thanks again for listening. Hope you guys have a great week wherever you are. Take care. Bye-bye.